Hello and welcome to the third episode of Polo Talk, the Kano Polo podcast. My name is Holger Dietrich and I'm the host of the show. Before we start with today's episode, I want to thank you for the support, the feedback and for listening to the podcast. And after that, I now want to introduce my guest for today. She is playing Kano Polo since the mid-90s, when the sport was introduced to Canada. She competed at her wor first World Championship at the age of 13 in Adelaide, Australia, in the senior women division. Since then, she has competed in 10 World Championships, one World Games, and at least five Pan, Am Pan American Championships for Canada. She was voted team captain for many of these events, but stepped aside in 2018 to have her first baby. She does not currently hold a position with the Canada Pol Canada Cano Polo, but she is the club president of the largest polo club in Canada, the Edmonton Whitewater Paddlers. I'm really pleased to call her a friend of mine and that she is recording the podcast with me today. A warm welcome to Christina O'Brien. Hi, Holger, and hi, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. This is an honor to be included in this. No, I'm happy to have you here, and uh, I'm uh, really pleased that you um, made that happen. It's a little tricky with both of us because it's like an eight-hour time difference, I guess. Yes, it is eight-hour difference, and you've been very gracious working around uh, children nap times and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's uh, a little easier to find a time slot, so um, I will for sure um, help you <laughs> in this case. Okay, so um, let's start with the um, World Championship in Adelaide. So how did that happen that like you as a 13-year-old girl, um, you were able to play for the Canada, um, Team Canada? Yeah, so a little bit of history about how, I guess, polo came to Canada. Um, polo's obviously been a very um, big family affair for me. Um, my father and uncle, who are twin brothers, Dale and Daryl O'Brien, um, got introduced to the sport of canoe polo in Europe um, while they were competing in C2 slalom events, um, really in the 80s and early 90s. And they brought the sport to Canada, um, really fell in love with it themselves and um, and we started playing playing polo here um, and they were able to attend the first world championships I guess in 1994 and then with the growth um, that uh, they, they started here we um, were able to send a women's and a men's team to Adelaide and I was included in that um, at 13 and probably not allowed <laughs> I don't think that's allowed anymore um, at that age and um, And yeah, it, I obviously uh, got the polo bug or whatever it is because I've I've been addicted to it ever since. So um, yeah, Adelaide was so fun, um, and I I do have to shout out to the Holmes family because they did host us for dinner one of the nights, and what a fun tournament it was in Australia. Um, just with uh, yeah, the organizing committee ended up having massages for all the athletes after the after the each game you could go and have a massage and um i recall uh obtaining one of the coveted new zealand fern necklaces um uh, i organized a trade for this and i recall at the time being so young that this was more important to me i think even than a gold medal so it was just a, such a fun experience and um really set me up on a path for enjoying polo for the rest of my life so that's yeah. that sounds really awesome so um Okay, I'm really like I, I don't think that it's allowed still uh, right now. I think it 
you must be 14 to play in the under 21 division, <laughs> I think. So with 13 yeah. in the women, that's uh, crazy. But <laughs> I, I, to my like excuse, uh, I was surprised when I saw that like Team Canada was like um, attending its first world championship. I didn't expect that. Yes, um, we really, I think, had a very rudimentary <laughs> understanding of the game, but we, we did benefit very early on from um, coaching from Paul Hammond from Great Britain. So he was our coach um, then um, for both teams. And so, yeah, we, it was, um, we probably, before going there, um, were only starting to understand some of the game. I recall um, our first tournament that we had hosted in um, Edmonton actually at our at the West Edmonton Mall which is uh, sort of a large mall here that's been on the map because of its size and um, they have a wave pool there so we were playing in the in the wave pool the waves were not running at the time <laughs> but um, our first our first nets were essentially like basketball hoops they weren't even sort of <laughs> rectangular <laughs> nets they, so it, yeah we started playing and trying to just um, yeah get used to being in a team sport, passing a ball around. And so going and participating in the worlds was such a, just so neat for us. Cause every time we attend a world championship, it's really such a learning experience for, for everyone. Cause we learned lots of new stuff. We're pretty isolated here in Canada. So <laughs> that's true. There are not too many other countries, uh, but it's um, just to mention like the West Edmonton mall is kind of not kind of a mall. I think that's the biggest mall in North America, I guess. So I, <laughs> I I've been there. I've been there and it's crazy. <laughs> it's. It, I think it's lost its status now because I think there's one in the U.S. somewhere that's that's bigger. But yes, it's still it's still the sizable mall. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a crazy one. Yeah. Um, and so and, and it's it started that like your brother, uh, your, your dad and uh, his brother mm -hmm. brought the sport uh, from Europe to Canada and yeah. but they weren't polo players so they were competing in whitewater slalom um, events so yeah. how how did they get in touch with the kind polo well i i should know that part specifically a bit more but i think in their tournaments they were often in um, some of the world cup series for slalom and i yeah i think in their interactions with the other kayakers there um, they would have seen the sport um, or maybe met some of the players who were participating in both slalom and polo and then um, and then became became interested in it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think them participating in 1994 in Sheffield as a men's team also was just such a uh, learning experience where they uh, kind of really figured out how to play it more. And then that's that's where it really took off, I think, after after that in Canada, where there was a, a team that went down, I think they all had such a fun time and came back and were ready to sort of begin developing. But we have, we really do have a unique situation with my dad and uncle having brought the sport. They've been such um, dedicated volunteers um, and builders of the sport um, in every sense of the word, because they themselves sort of build all the equipment, they build the boats, they've sort of constructed the nets and things that we um, that we use aside from recently in the last years when we've used some of the more CPS nets. Um, so not only did they build it from sort of themselves competing and participating, but all the infrastructure they have sort of built and 
um, supported other clubs around our province and across the country and even in the U.S. have have many tournaments sort of brought boats and brought equipment down to run tournaments so um yeah they've they've certainly had a huge impact on the on the sport here so they're uh like i can say uh, ambassadors for the sport in north america yes, absolutely <laughs> ambassadors champions of the sport yes very much <laughs> that's that's great i was uh, i was pleased to to meet them at the tournament in the cup of the north when i competed there Uh, they right. are still still uh, playing they're still playing <laughs> yes they still they participate now on a club team um that's known as the crunch <laughs> and uh, they they, yeah. they do have a cheer and it's <laughs> we are the crunch munch 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 so <laughs> if that in inspires any players across the world to come participate in cup of the north you'll get to see the famous crunch team <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so funny yeah <laughs> Um, so and from 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 that point, like where your your dad or your family uh, started to develop the sport, like how how far did they get? Like I mean, you hosted two world world championships in Canada, so that's yeah. quite a lot, yeah, for mm -hmm. not like a big polo country, and mm -hmm. like a big country, but not like the biggest polo community in the country, and uh, like how many clubs and and are there and how does it work with the distance because i know that it's quite a bit from toronto to edmonton <laughs> yes it's not a not a simple drive for sure um so yeah i guess the first thing they uh what they were good at and instrumental in is sort of getting us um getting us a proper sort of sporting body format. So they they had developed the Edmonton Whitewater Paddlers, which is our local club here in Edmonton, which has um, been kind of the largest uh, playing polo club in Canada. Um, they, they built that in 1973, and it's evolved over the years. Um, initially, it was obviously more slalom focused. Um, and then developed kind of into polo when they their interest in polo started in the early 90s. So now it is mainly polo, but we still, uh, our club still participates in um, just general kayaking program, like lesson programs, and then also um, some river trips throughout the year as well. Um, we, we're not necessarily a huge feeder into some of the slalom programs, but um, we We do have a group service, it's called the Summer Games Training Group, which participates in our province Alberta Summer Games, and, and then kids get connected kind of to all the kayaking disciplines from participating in that. So so they they built this local club, and I, the local club really has been instrumental in them sort of building further from there. So um, we are members under the um, Alberta Whitewater Association, which is our provincial sport body, um, But they created uh, a canoe polo specific uh, provincial sporting body as well called Alberta Canoe Polo. And okay. um, why polo and why we've had a lot of success in Alberta is um, they were able to establish actually a relationship, a funding relationship with um, a casino program in Alberta. So we have, we're allowed to sort of volunteer at casinos as our club as well and our provincial body and um, earn some money for, for, um, these institutions and that is the only reason actually why we can kind of continue running our programs especially some of the indoor stuff in pools so they yeah not only built sort of the grassroots clubs they built the um, sort of the provincial body and then 
They also developed Canada Canoe Polo, which is our national um, sporting body, uh, which is kind of a subset or organization recognized under Canoe Kayak Canada, which is actually the sort of formal, broader, um, I guess, sort of paddling discipline nationally. Um, so, so yeah, so that's kind of our, our structure in Canada and, and how they, over the years, have kind of sort of built that framework for us. So I think you had a couple other questions in there, but now I'm forgetting what they were. No, that's fine. I just, I just, <laughs> that's interesting. So um, you, you get like funding from casinos? Is it, yeah. is that, did I get that right? Yes, you got it right. So we, yeah, we were very lucky. They, they went through an application and um, usually it's like volunteer organizations or non-for-profits can apply to have casino funding. Um, and we were lucky enough that both our club and then the provincial body um, is able to participate in this funding format. And we have to go and it happens about every 18 months to two years where we go and over two days we supply the volunteers to run a casino event and um, so we have our volunteers participate in being sort of running chips to the tables and um, counting the money and being cashiers so your as people cash in their chips they you deliver, give them the cash back and so it's actually very interesting and sometimes fun to participate in and then we would get um, a, a part of the profits made uh, from the casino those two nights that we've worked so it's a really great fundraiser for us um, but we also don't know now with the state of covid what that will look like because um as as you may or may not know or ha have experienced in germany they had they shut down obviously um a lot of the casinos here so there's probably going to be a delay in groups getting that funding in the in the future um so we're not sure how that's going to impact us yet but yeah. yeah okay so that's that's i mean it's cool that there's like a cooperation um between <laughs> your your um club or also like the Alberta Cano Polo Federation <laughs> sorry um, that's okay there's and, that European and, sounding ambulance <laughs> yeah and <laughs> that's true and uh, that, that's cool um, and it's also like scary that the also the pandemic has like a big influence on that not only on the practice and mm -hmm. on like uh, practice pool times but also on the on the funding of your and from yeah. this funding it's like only the club uh, who will get the money out of it or is it like when you when the club sends national team player that the national team player get, will get some money out of it or going just into um like uh, infrastructure for the club like new boats new goals or whatever yeah so the um the money that we get specifically as a club has to have um has to be used on fairly specific things so um, can be used on paying pool time that's probably the biggest component that it goes towards um, and then we do get to use some money on equipment um, and then you can also use money towards some of the um, like a grant position if you were gonna uh, like pay an instructor or um, have some administrative work done for your club um, and then you can use it towards player funding as well. Um, but I would say because, and then this is a program that's quite specific to Alberta, so not the other um, other provinces in the in Canada get this. So yeah. our provincial our provincial sporting body for Alberta athletes only, because we're only allowed to use it um, for those in Alberta, um, has been more responsible for our 
are players here that are participating on a national team, they will get funding um, for for going to Worlds. But um, even saying that, like if there is, for example, going to Italy for a World Championships, um, that um, has cost us up to sort of five to six thousand dollars per player, um, and uh, we would only get about a thousand dollars of that per athlete from yeah. that um, provincial funding. So again the majority of the funds are coming from the personal athletes but being in alberta we have benefited more than um, some of the other provinces so that definitely highlights some of our the challenges here financially for us yeah that that sounds good i mean still a lot of uh, a lot of money you have to spend to go over to the big tournaments um yeah, yeah. that's it's crazy but 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 canada oh, i'm i'm switching the subject um, um But Canada always send teams, do they? Like, or yeah, like that's, yes, that's, we do. That's like really a great passion. Yeah, for sure. I and I do again. Going back, obviously, I'm a bit biased. It's as I say, family affair. But really, the the infrastructure that the O'Briens did build here um, did facilitate, I think, the growth to a certain extent and. Um, allow people to participate and kind of have some access to, a, at least in Alberta, um, a little bit of funding. And and then um, because they've been sort of builders of the boats as well, um, a lot of the athletes, certainly as youth, um, when they're you don't really have any money, um, the equipment is just supplied for you. Um, so oh. you get to kind of participate free of cost. And, and then our pool sessions are um, really completely almost highly subsidized um, by the by the casino funding so yeah. I think that has allowed people to participate um, in these in these things and of course we rely very heavily on yeah just people who end up participating in polo I, I do feel like love it and you you kind of you do get uh, lifers for a long time you just get this commitment to it and you just make it work and yeah we've We've definitely benefited from that, just having um, just a core group of people who've maintained an interest in it and wanting to participate. And yeah. um, it's a huge cost, but you prioritize it because you want to want to just participate. You want to be in it. Yeah. So. so you're positive crazy, all of you. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, from this answer, I have like two uh, two. Um, subjects I want to ask for so one is like we always talk about pool time and the other thing is like so we, we talk about the Edmonton whitewater paddlers and I know that I think the next big city from Edmonton is Calgary but yeah. um, just to give like the people to listen is so the closest city is three hours drive mm -hmm. yeah so that's drive. that is and that is really like the neighborhood yeah so that how big is Canada and uh, but And I know that in Calgary there's also Cano Polo Club. But how many clubs are there in the whole country? Like in which cities and how can you do it to have like tournaments regularly? Yeah. So um, I would say the provinces that have... So BC, which is our neighbor to the west um, province, it would have um, and has had clubs in Vancouver so and... So it's Vic British Columbia, just... Yes, <laughs> British... Sorry, what did I say? BC. BC, oh, BC, sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, and uh, so, yeah, their sort of main cities there that would have um, uh, clubs would be Victoria and Vancouver. And there is other kayaking clubs, obviously, in lots of other uh, uh, cities around the province, but those two are the ones that I know over um, the 
basically history have had polo specific clubs. Um, and then Alberta has, um, again, over the years, then things fluctuate just with interest and again, champions in each city um, come and go. Um, but in Alberta, we've probably had about four or five different places have clubs. So Edmonton, Calgary, and then Grand Prairie um, at one time was a pretty huge polo destination. Um, uh, Sundry as well, um, Innisfail, which are all kind of smaller uh, places um, throughout the province. And then um, Saskatoon, which is our province to the east, has a main club as well. So that's in Saskatchewan. And then um, I don't believe there's been a lot of activity in Manitoba, but then you get into Ontario and Toronto um, has had a club and then Quebec with Montreal. And that's basically it for Maine. And there's probably lots of little clubs that may be playing some form of um, kayaking with a ball or whatnot. But um, we're really, yeah, it's quite a vast country. So um, yeah, probably not aware of all that's all that's there. But those are kind of the main ones. Yeah, so it's it's about like eight to ten clubs, who, yeah. who play like regularly and uh, compete and competitions. Yeah, I would say so. And and again, with the sort of things fluctuate. So even our uh, the club that was very heavily playing in Grand Prairie, for example, has sort of I think shifted and lost some of its polo interest. So now it actually is more seen to be a bit of a whitewater slalom recreational paddling club. So it's it's just varies depending on sort of where people are at and okay and yeah that's that's interesting and the distances are as i mentioned like really far like really i think mm -hmm. um in alberta probably it's okay like three hours uh, we all know that here in europe and i'm sure like everywhere in the, in the world we can um see like a three-hour drive that's not the mm -hmm. big thing but uh, yeah. like going to to toronto i think it's a three-hour flight probably Yeah, probably, yeah, three to four hours yeah. to drive is looking more like 30 plus hours. So, but it happens. <laughs> that, <laughs> that drive has been, been done by many Canadians on a number of occasions. And yeah. we have also benefited lots from, yeah, just some awesome road trips that have been, uh, yeah, uh, again, O'Brien facilitated road trips that, um, often end up in stopping at many gas stations for pie and walking around uh, hardware stores and things like that. Um, we had one of the players, I'll give a shout out to Keegan um, Smith, who was um, sort of a national team player, I guess probably back in the 2000s and then coached for Canada uh, for a number of years after that, U21 and then um, the men's team as well. He, he ended up buying... I guess I, I want to be politically correct, but I probably am going to mess it up. But uh, a mobility bus or a persons of, with disability bus, we called it at the time a handy bus, um, and kind of outfit it to um, have all this seating inside, and, and then it would carry all this polo equipment. And he would take he would he would be a main driver and take go on all these road trips with all the sort of young polo players and. Um, you just remember lots of fun memories yeah. with that of I in particular the 2008 worlds I that was hosted in Edmonton I recall just yeah full to the brims of just like fun loving teenagers and young adults who just smell heavily of <laughs> stinky polo equipment and you, they just pile onto the bus and then come out at the polo location and 
just singing uh, <laughs> even the song that was the theme was like I kissed a girl from Katy Perry at yeah. the time and it was just so much fun and would have looked ridiculous to any onlookers <laughs> it's just all these polo people coming out of a hand, hand, handicap bus and yeah. it was just it was a sight to see but yeah lots of lots of long road trips um, and uh, people yeah just driving for hours on end to get to polo destinations to yeah. just participate a little bit in it so i mean the good thing is in canada you have like uh, tim horton so the best coffee uh, in the world <laughs> i heard i i don't drink coffee but i heard that's the best one so uh, i can see that you can um handle long dri uh, long drives long rides yes That is one thing I guess Canada did figure out. Eh? There was so much distance. They did develop a good sort of coffee shop donut factory type thing that you can <laughs> access in any city that you go. So there you go. <laughs> okay, that's, that's cool. And yeah, so I don't know where to continue right now. So I just want to come back to the, uh, to the pool time. I mean, Canada... For me, Canada, I was there. Uh, I've competed in a competition in, inside. And yeah. outside, it was like minus 16, minus 18 degrees. And <laughs> I heard it's kind of from November to end of March, probably like this. Um, yeah. So how how does the summer sport Polo works in Canada? So you mentioned yeah. the pool time for practice. Um, how often do you get the pools? Are all clubs getting pool time or... Yeah, and, and when are you going, so which time of the year you can go outside on the lake and uh, play polo? Yeah, so our our indoor season generally starts um, in October. I would say we can play outside until end of September generally, and then there might be a few weeks off where we transition into the, there's sort of no paddling, and then we transition into the pool at the end of October. Yeah. And then we're, yeah, basically have our indoor season that runs, um, uh, we book pool time even up till the beginning of May. Um, and then um, and then the outdoor season, we are reliant again, at least in Edmonton, for the our city to fill these um, man-made ponds that we have at a park. And that's where we set up our polo nets sort of every uh, summer season. And so, yeah, so indoors from... Uh, I guess October to um, beginning of May and then sort of end of May till the end of September is our outdoor outdoor season. And then as far as pool time, uh, we are again very lucky uh, because of our casino funding and um, so we we play at a um, sort of a facility that's quite large it's a large aquatic center so we do get to play in a 50 there's two 50 meter pools. Our club has benefited from being able to rent both of those at times. Um, actually two night two nights a week we rent both pools and usually one of the pools we run some lesson programming in and the other one we have available for uh, sort of polo playing. So yeah, so very lucky there. We are spoiled and probably take take advantage of that time a little bit. Um, uh, and as far as other clubs, I they, they do rent indoor time too, but Uh, without casino funding, um, I think you're very limited. Um, I wouldn't, I don't think many, unless you're in more of a sort of rural place, you're getting pool times that are reasonable costs. And, and to be fair, our pool, we're at one of the largest facilities 
so could we could we play at another smaller pool for a lower cost probably um, but we would lose our um, ability to store boats there or some of the infrastructure that the bigger aquatic center allows us to have and yeah. um, and so there's lots of logistics obviously if you were going to an indoor facility and had to bring your nets and your boats and all your gear every time um, and again in the winter when it's minus 20 it's just it's it would be very prohibitive so it, we're lucky that we get to store our equipment at the indoor facility currently so okay. i mean yeah. we're you yeah. sorry sorry continue. i was just gonna say no no worries i was just gonna say we're unique that way a unique club in canada um we're we're not the we're not the norm it's i think much more challenging for many other clubs across the country Uh, I mean, it's, it's expensive, and I know that it's for sure. Um, you know, like you have like the funding, and I know that you all still have to pay. I think personal, person money every time you you go there. But at least, I mean, you can rent a pool. I know that from Germany, yeah. it's pretty hard like to get a to get a pool time. Like all, even if you would pay for that, because all like the um, so a lot some some clubs do, but um, a lot of uh, from the. People who work there say, "Oh no, uh, with your boats you destroy like the pools and stuff." So yeah. it's pretty hard to get pool time in Germany, as far as I know. So, um, I mean, it's it's cool that you have like the chance, but on the other end, it's crazy. You only have like five months outside. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you could go outside in the winter. It just is. It's harder to paddle on ice yeah. and, and snow. <laughs> Yeah so, yeah, so better play hockey. Yeah, play hockey yeah, outside. Exactly. Yeah. You gotta, It's, you have to uh, cross train here in Canada for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's cool to hear that there are opportunities and that you have a chance. So it's, um, it's good. And uh, I know that like your pool is pretty, pretty nice. So um, it's, it's high and uh, really long and wide. So um, I really liked it there. Yeah. So how is it with tournaments? Like. You have indoor tournaments, outdoor tournaments, you have a national championship. Yeah, so um, as far as, um, again, this varies a little bit, but kind of our, I guess, across Canada, um, our main tournaments are Cup of the North. So shout out for that. That's our sort of local <laughs> tournament. It's been running since 2003. So it's quite a, it's been going quite a long time. And we have really benefited from participation from, uh, we've actually had, the um uh dragons team which is uh, the welsh dragons dragons yeah, yeah the welsh dragons yeah. yeah so with uh yeah paul and uh chris aerosmith and howie um who yeah really have come actually nearly every year since 2003 which is so really kind of neat um neat tournament and then we have benefited a lot of the americans have attended that tournament over the years too quite regularly so um, yeah, that's in Edmonton, Cup of the North. And then um, Canadian Nationals would be um, sort of another annual tournament. Um, and then um, we, uh, I guess, have attend, have usually had a decent contingent at times go to U.S. Nationals as well. Um, and then they have a King of the Pitch tournament out east. Um, I haven't actually been able to attend that myself, but I think that's been a pretty fun um, tournament also. And then, um, and then I think each sort of uh, area of Canada kind of has some individual tournaments that they they run. So um, there's like a, I believe a Northeast series um, that 
involves Quebec, Ontario, New York, and Boston. I think they've had some tournaments around there that have happened sort of a few years in a row. And then just actually a couple of years ago, um, we in the province, our provincial body tried to kind of initiate a summer league. So we'd have just, um, we had sort of three one day, one day tournaments. And we, I think the idea eventually or thought was to have, you'd kind of have one team and you'd get to participate with that one team in each of these, like a, a kind of like a proper league, but, um, we just don't have the numbers and, um, maybe interest to at this point to, um, to do that. So it's more just been like a one day tournament who's participating and we, and we'll make teams up from all the participants that are there. Okay. Um, that's kind of how our leagues have run. And then, um, the last couple of years in Edmonton, we, we've been able to run, um, sort of league playing um, in our indoor uh, season where we just make teams up usually only three or four teams um, because we we have anywhere uh, from sort of 15 to 20 participants in the indoor time so we can make up sort of three or four teams from those numbers and then we we do run a league with the same same players one of our nights uh, in the indoor session so um, yeah that's kind of the sort of summary of some of the main tournaments and then what we have more locally it's, yeah. So when you when you when you say you don't have that many numbers of players, so I um, I don't need to ask the question if there's like <laughs> under fourteen, under sixteen um, <laughs> categories. So I, I guess there's more like uh, uh, mixed divisions. So like yeah. men and women compete in the same divisions, or is there already also like a extra woman or extra uh, men division? I would say. Um Definitely at some of the peak of the sort of interest in the sport and participation really was around like after probably the 2008 Worlds and then maybe for the next six to eight years in Canada. And during that time at our national championships, we would we would have a women's division and then there was, um, I guess, a, a men's division too. Um, there was no real restriction there on like if, if a female wanted to play on one of the men's teams there um i don't believe there was restriction there but whenever there is a women's division um you would kind of participate in that and in addition we would often have um sort of a club uh championships too so that's that's been more of the format of um again because if you just have a national team <laughs> or, or a men's men's group there, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily you might have just sort of one really strong team that would dominate. So yeah. um, our nationals has been more of a club club championships in past years where it's just yeah the Edmonton Whitewater Paddlers would submit uh, a team to play in the club club championships. Uh, Toronto would submit a team so things like that would yeah. sort of more form it was more that type of situation but and yeah over the years there's been sometimes lots of women players and participants that you could run a women's division um, but uh, there's lots of times where that's not possible so the the mixed teams has kind of always been allowed yeah too bad that there um, that the interest uh, um, is uh, going down after oh is yeah, it's, it's not as high anymore uh, after like after the World Championship 2008. Um, yeah, so. we we really yeah obviously benefited in 2008 uh, after that. Um, the difference with the 2018 Worlds was um, 
it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the same people hosting it it was sort of coordinated and i to be honest i'm not even sure i wasn't i was so have like feel like aware and involved of the 2008 worlds because of the sort of family involvement in it um but it was completely hosted by sort of people out east and um it was at that sort of uh at that rowing facility so i think the organizing body was uh was sort of made up of groups over there that their interest wasn't completely polo either so i know here where we've had a lot of success with polo building it you really just need someone totally focused on polo and sort of championing that sport um otherwise it doesn't doesn't sort of go doesn't seem to take off so yeah so so you had like a kind of a good outcome of younger or newer players after 2008 but not in 2018 yeah and 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 i to be honest i don't really i I guess i don't want to speak out of turn there and say the wrong thing but i i don't i don't really know if they did benefit from some of the um, yeah, uh, benefits of, of hosting there. I'm not sure what happened with the club for a while, if they were able to, um, yeah, draw some people in an interest. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, if, if they had, unfortunately it would have probably been stifled from, from COVID because yeah, I think that's really shut down things across the country. That's true. But I know, I mean, it was, it was next to Toronto. So I, I thought probably, um, Toronto would have kind of a benefit, but, um, yeah. As I remember, it, it was uh, the tournament was like far away from from everywhere. So you only get, yeah. you only get there if you really want to uh, want to see Kanopolo. So I think it's yeah yeah yeah. It was still a bit a bit of a drive from Toronto too. Yeah. So yeah, if it if it could have yeah been maybe closer to their local club there, um, but I, I think where it was hosted wasn't necessarily a huge polo place before anyway. Yeah. So it just didn't didn't get the traction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But at least, I mean, I, I really liked it. Uh, the pitches were good. The tournament was nice, organized, in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, I have <laughs> any, I have nothing to complain. But I just want to know if there's like a benefit, benef- benefits uh, out of this uh, for the Canadian proposal. So that's what I'm asking. Um, mm-hmm. To the king of the pitch tournament. So what is that? I heard that it's a kind of a different uh, kind of tournament. It's not like you make groups so it's isn't it like the winner stays i i think so i i haven't ever participated i don't actually know i wish i could phone <laughs> phone in a friend to answer your question there ah. um but yeah i think it's kind of yeah if you win you get to keep playing um uh and yeah so it would be kind of a interesting you think the winning team would probably potentially fatigue and um who knows they they probably have to make up some more sort of even teams to make that work yeah um but uh yeah i i would love to participate in it someday yeah we're able to run it again but i i heard that and i i like the idea it's just like like a fun (laughs) idea it's not like everywhere else so just if you win you stay on the ground and uh and uh when you when you ever get tired or you never get tired then you just play the whole night or a weekend um so <laughs> i can imagine that would be a pretty painful experience <laughs> for sure after play. that yeah. yeah and and with a cup of the noise so now you, you said that the weight strings are coming over like for this mm-hmm. tournament every year and now i know why because the people from the welsh dragons told your dad and your uncle uh, about polo so this is why the connection between uh Edmonton and the Welsh Dragons are still is still there. 
Yeah, we had very early, I think, as I mentioned, the we developed a uh, friendship and bond with Paul Hammond, um, and yeah, sort of just grown through there. And obviously, yeah. um, sort of even within sort of my family alone, we've kind of been participants in every almost every World Championships uh, since the beginning. So you just you get to meet and connect and have those relationships with so many people. So. Um, but yeah, they have been dedicated participants at this tournament. Now, I I don't I want to say that the tournament is awesome and that's the reason they come, but they also do a week of skiing afterwards in the mountains at a resort. So, it might be that that they're coming for, but <laughs> I think it's the tournament. I I competed in the tournament uh, as a player and a coach and I really liked it and I can only uh, force everybody to or um, empower everybody to just uh, sign in a team or just a player and find a team there. I'm sure that yes. could that could work. Um, we would we would very much welcome any German teams to come. Our, and this, our, uh, our, the skiing is also pretty nice. Yeah, I can. The I skiing can say is that. good. Yes, yes, we do. We do have good skiing. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so so you, you you mentioned that already. So there is like. You are going down to the U.S. and the U.S. teams are coming um, up north to Canada to play on tournaments. And there's also the the uh, series with the, with the uh, tournaments in uh, in the east with New York yep. and stuff. So this is like a, just the clubs made it up or is it just like an official corporation or how how is it uh, going? And the teams can play in the in each other's national championship. Is that right? Yeah. So um, now again, this isn't consistent because we, we can't always line up participation, I think in each other's um, national championships, but, um, but we, yeah, usually the, the hosting is kind of the responsibility of the sort of, I guess, city or place that's hosted it. Um, and then, yeah, we would, we would, how it would kind of work for us is we would just sort of say, is anyone interested in going down to the U S to compete in this tournament? And, um, yeah, at kind of the peak or best of times, we might even get sort of over 10 or more people who'd want to go down and play in Texas, in Austin, Texas, in their, um, sort of outdoor facility there. And some people would drive and other people would take flights. And so, yeah, that was kind of, that's how that works. And then, yeah. um, They've because I think the consistency of Cup of the North being hosted and that's um, that's kind of yeah been a, a main tournament that's drawn um, drawn players again probably mainly from Texas and San Francisco and there's been a um, couple years where we did get some participants from Boston and sort of out east as well but it it is hard it's hard for I think anyone there as well as um, in Canada even getting drawing people from um, Quebec and Montreal and Toronto it's just it's really it's pricey and you usually have to take off sort of three or four days from work and yeah. so I think there's there's lots of challenges to try and to try and do this but yeah, you guys all you know that too I mean even though you that's true you have tournaments that are closer it's you yeah it's a sacrifice that everyone to play the sport makes I yeah. think yeah the truth it's true it's probably I mean from you in so you don't have that many tournaments in Canada and US. So you try to make that happen and play as much as you can, and you have to yeah. you drive for that like one time, like twelve hours there, twelve hours back, or like twenty hours there, twenty hours back. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in, in in Europe, it's it 
so I can just say it from from Germany point we are like the center like in the center of Europe not like we are the center we are in the center of Europe um, mm -hmm. and for us it's like probably three to eight or probably sometimes ten hours ride but every weekend yeah so yeah, <laughs> yeah so if you really like uh, especially the national team players or the um, the players who really wants to compete in like different championships they are like doing shorter drives but every weekend and i know that it's also um exhausting yeah. yeah it's so funny because i i hear that and it's almost like you guys are you're more saturated with tournaments you could potentially participate uh in two to three different tournaments every weekend <laughs> yeah. you have to choose and we we do have the opposite problem but it it's still it's a different if it's a different challenge for you because <laughs> you would never get a break you never have sort of a time off and you would have different problems related to that too of burnout that's, and injury yeah, that, and yeah that's what i want to tell, say yeah, sorry i interrupt you i i just say like, it's it's different but uh, I, I like it that there's like polo and polo maniacs um all over the world yeah so yes there are <laughs> um, yes there are so how um so when you say you you don't have that many players right now so how do you get younger people to start polo or how do you uh, like find older players to start polo? Yeah, um, it is a it is a real ongoing challenge for us because I I think the reality is um, we have uh, really over the last 15, 20 years, we've had such a dedicated uh, group, but we're many have sort of had to yeah move on because other life things and um uh, still obviously love the sport and so when you do have time to go play or go participate in it you want to play you don't you don't want to go teach some introductory session you want to go and play a game of polo with a group that you love playing with so i think that's where at least locally we've had trouble um with that but um uh, I guess the formal answer, like our club has offers introductory kayaking lessons. So we'll um, generally in those lessons introduce a ball um, and do some ball play. And um, for the kids that are obviously interested in it, um, we can sort of build on um, and advance them into sort of the next programs, which as I said that we have this summer games group. So they kind of get fed into um, sort of the summer games training group and they would get some instruction on polo, but also slalom um, kayaking as well. And then, um, yeah, we, we need to work on our sort of feeder programs um, sort of to sort of build up to polo. Cause at the moment there's quite a gap. We kind of have our summer games training group and then we have our sort of advanced polo sessions of all these lifelong polo lovers who just want to get together and, and play. And yeah. I think it is very intimidating to, yeah, to take that leap. And so we only get a handful of, of youth and kids who kind of get integrated next into we just sort of yeah bring them out on a thursday night and they're going to join and play in the sort of bigger group of polo and it it takes a unique sort of individual to want to do that we don't have good sort of uh groups and um and then some of that's just because we don't have the sort of instructors or coaches interest as well to to form to sort of have that feeder program so yeah. it's something we are we would like to work towards as a club, I would say. Um, 
and then we've had we we don't have any formal programming through our schools um but in edmonton we've had um at least over the I don't know how many years it's run, but we have um, school groups who will reach out to our club um, who are usually have outdoor ed classes who want to do a kayaking experience. So then they will actually rent the pool time uh, for us. And then we would have a couple instructors run some summer programming. Um, But uh, we haven't found it to be overly um, helpful in sort of getting kids from there into into a lesson program or into a polo specific thing. It hasn't been a big draw. So um, yeah, that's kind of how we've worked but I I do think we people often yeah either see the sport um in our short outdoor season perhaps or if they happen to be in Kinsman and and maybe become interested or I'd like to get my kid in that so yeah but it's just not it's not a huge volume we have to compete with with obviously hockey here and um and some of the uh yeah more professional interesting sports indoor soccer is big and yeah so it's it's not easy we're kind of getting not not huge numbers does germany have you guys are are, have a school feeder system or not really um i think some of the clubs i think i mentioned in the last podcast in some some um clubs i think have like corporations with schools uh, or like good relations to schools or probably some of the players or coaches are teachers and uh so you you get players but um I think the, the most of them is still um, a kid will try it and bring bring a brother or bring a, a sister and uh, yeah. or a friend, and this is usually how it works. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I will talk uh, in a later podcast uh, with a German, but yeah, this perfect. is what my what my what my um, um, understanding of this is and uh, yeah. what I what I saw. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. All, I think it's 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 everywhere. It's it's kind of a problem to to find kids. I mean, it's an ex- expensive sport. It's uh, not that many tournaments, especially like in uh, North America. So the kids want to participate, uh, participate, and they want to uh, mess with other people on their age group. So I think mm. this is this this is a challenge um, yeah. in in Canada too. I guess. Yeah, definitely finding the families that have siblings like I benefited from that too my sister Catherine was has obviously been a lifelong polo player as well and um yeah we just had so much fun uh, right from the beginning Uh, she started in Adelaide as well and it it was helpful because you you, we, we didn't at the time have obviously a lot of other um uh, kids our age playing um, and certainly not a lot of young females playing yeah. um, with us so um, that was probably instrumental in us both like continuing or having an interest in the early years with it because we had each other and it was fun to play. But I imagine that you had quite a young team like you had the U21 women's team in Syracuse and quite a young team in the World Games 2017 uh which I think was one of the biggest successes to compete at the World Games for Team Canada. Yeah, it certainly it certainly was. Um, yeah, we've had we we have been lucky also again to be able to have uh, put teams forward, um, sort of each World Championships, but they have uh, very. Uh, yeah, a good component or part of the team has been pretty new to the sport. So, um, yeah, we keep we finding the players, but um, 
uh, we'd need more and we need more regular play and yeah. more exposure to tournaments for sure. Yeah. Um, our world games experience was, um, awesome and we feel, uh, very lucky and sort of humbled to be able to participate in, in that. And it was a surprising, um, it's, it's surprising for us that we did get to participate. Um, it, I don't think that was expected uh, from our uh, competition. I think we, we've we always gone to the Worlds with hopes of sort of being in the top eight and sort of qualifying and playing in that sort of second, that round of um, games. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that was really, aside from Japan, I think we're there, um, aside from Japan where we did get to do that, um, that was our sort of, yeah, awesome. We were able to accomplish that. And then, and then in that being in that, I guess, top eight, uh, allowed us to attend the world games. So, yeah, yeah. it was, uh, I think for me, it was nice to see that because, uh, um, I mean, I like all, all teams and, uh, but it's, it's always nice to see like teams where you didn't expect that from the beginning, you know? So yeah, it's always cool when you have like a, an, um, a team. Which is like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just not, like, yeah, not like, not, not, not the expected or not yeah, the favorite not the expected team. team. Yeah, so that's the, that's the, the underdog. If the you underdog. Know. That's what that's <laughs> that's the name I want to say. Uh, the word I I didn't find. Yeah, say. Uh, and you and you after 2017, you you competed in 2018 in Welland again, but that wasn't that clear. Um, <laughs> Because you yeah. you said you 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 can't, but then you showed up. Yes, yes, that did happen. So <laughs> I ended up after. Interestingly, um, we had our World Games team in 2017. There was actually three of us after that who <laughs> very quickly had babies. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah. I so you're working. It. So you're working on the on the new polo players already. <laughs> Exactly. We're doing our part over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was some kind of ongoing joke that there was something in the water in Poland um, that <laughs> affected the Canadian women's team. But um, yeah, so we, I had a, I guess, baby at the end of May of 2018. Um, I think I had obviously not being a mom, not going through it. I was like, I think I could participate because it's like, it's two months away. It's probably okay. Yeah. Um, and luckily had a baby that was very, very good that allowed me to do it. So I think it was probably in June that I communicated to the team that um, that I could play and um, I'd be willing to if they were willing to have me. And, uh, and unfortunately it was a year, actually as every year brings these challenges of, of even um, filling, filling a full team roster. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to, participate and it it was it was great like I, I obviously love the world so much and just being there and being a part of the whole show is just cool but um it was a very different challenge compared to other years with sort of thinking of the my mind wasn't always <laughs> where it should have been playing it was um yeah I was very lucky and fortunate. To I think that is uh, totally understandable. <laughs> but yes. and I, I have to say, I think uh, that must be really special stuff in the water of Poland, like in uh, the World Games, <laughs> because I didn't hear that much uh, from other uh, teams. Uh, no. But... Okay. So maybe <laughs> actually only for the Holger... Canadian girls. 
Maybe it was because we did train at your club prior uh, to the Poland experience. So I don't know. We're not quite sure where it came from, but um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there weren't there weren't big bursts in fertility in any other teams that you've heard of. <laughs> I, I did hear that. So yeah, I think. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Just okay. Stop funny. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I like it, and I I, I like to see you uh, playing in Canada. I was uh, happy to see you yes. and uh, all the other girls there. That was yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and then we we made the bridge already over to the national team, um, and you said, okay. Uh, my, normally, my question is like, how get the teams uh, selected or nominated, and uh, and also the coaches? Like, is there who will decide who will be coach and but when you said it's hard to fill up a roster so it's kind of okay um who wants to go and yeah. um, you will be in yeah so and this has changed the, throughout the years too um there's been some years where we were able to run a more formal selections yeah. um and then select a team and that was the case for our world games experiences we actually did have a sort of world games training group um that Uh, essentially started as, as soon as we knew we were going to be going yeah. um, and um, and then that uh, over time um, it was uh, formally selected uh, by the um, coach and then sort of two other I think individuals on the committee uh, the selections committee mm -hmm. um, so yeah so some of the years unfortunately just the reality in Canada it's kind of we might have sort of three or four people who are uh, quite committed and playing and training and then the rest of the team is kind of is who else can come and who else wants to come and um, we do our best to obviously um, sort of work as a team and play as a team but the opportunities to um, even train together if you've got members from across country are quite quite limited so yeah so um, yeah both with the men's and women's teams um, there have been um, years of selection, or for more formal selection, and then unfortunately some other years um, have been more who can who can go. Um, and then as far as uh, coaching, um, that too is sort of words put out there that maybe a coach is needed for a, a women's team or um, under 21 men's team or things like that, and yeah. people put their names forward. And um, I wouldn't say there's often been a sort of huge selection process because a lot of the times it's only one person that's interested yeah. or sort of puts their name forward. So, um, uh, and of course our uh, coaching positions um, for the most, for the number of years ha haven't been financially supported either. So yeah. the coaches have often been even players that are attending themselves and um, are just yeah, willing to take on that extra responsibility. And uh, yeah, I think only a couple times we've sort of offered or paid for the flights for coaches just because it's, it's just so cost prohibitive. So Okay, yeah, so um, some years you had like a bigger group and you can select and other years probably also depending on personal situations or on how, how far is the flight, how expensive is the trip. Um, exactly. This is, I think, uh, yeah, probably a, a reason to, okay, this year I will try to or next year I can't. Yeah, I think, yeah, people's um, like schooling and um, sort of work, uh, I know I, I wasn't able to attend the... Um, the 2012 uh, in world Poland. Yeah. in Poland um, because I was writing my, like I was writing a certification exam for medicine. So I wasn't, so just things like that that come up that kind of yeah. take people out for a year or two years. And 
Um, so yeah, we just we just need more people playing. We need a bigger pool of people. I think that is that is a big issue, and uh, but an issue like you share with the most countries, um, yeah, uh, polo countries in the world. We all need to grow as a family and uh, try to find more people. And you said like yeah. in the men division, it's the same. Like in some years, it's it's good. In some years, um, it is uh, not that many. Yeah, I, I feel like the men, at least over the last 10, well, to me, I think they've had more consistent sort of group of people um, who are um, sort of committed and going. Um, but it's been the same pool for a long time. So yeah. I think moving forward, we're in a bit of a transition because, um, yeah, I, I, I think sort of people have started to have families and um, your just ability to participate in the way we once did is is changing. And um, again, has had we've had such individuals who are sort of dedicated to their national team and their own personal play that, uh, and now with young families, it's sort of, it's hard to get the developmental or the sort of grassroots stuff going. Yeah. And we haven't had the, there's sort of a gap now. Um, we don't have the sort of a bunch of U21 men's people who will now go into the national teams. We haven't developed that well enough. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they've had more of a consistent sort of group where, I think over the years, some of the women's team have have had lower lower numbers, and it's been not always clear that do we have do we can we send a team? Do we have enough? Yeah. Um, where they they haven't I think had those same challenges, but may be facing those challenges now moving forward. Yeah, and to talk to the people who, to listen uh, um, who will listen to this, like uh, when we in Europe we think uh, a European Championship um, is like going from. Um, Great Britain to to Italy or from um, Germany to Spain or from uh, wherever um, that's far it's not like the North Americans play at the Pan American Games and I was lucky uh, to coach one time in Argentina so this is like the continental championship yeah so the the teams from Canada have to fly down to Argentina or other way around so Argentinians have to come up to Canada to compete as a it's a continental championship and this is like going from Europe to South Africa uh, so just to keep put it in a relation yeah that's um, this is uh, really um, yeah big so it's not only one tournament like every two years to go to the world championship it's also the um, pretty challenging to go to the um, continental championships yeah exactly our our pan Ams are Yeah, definitely. Usually, a large distance you have to go, and yeah, it's just we we really do struggle with the distance and um, having that competition consistency and people. You just can't afford afford that if you're making multiple sort of international trips a year yeah. and or uh, like cross cross country trips a year um, to play with your team. It's just yeah, it's a it's a big challenge for us for sure. Yeah, and but it's like with the Pan American Games, is it? Like every two years in North America and then uh, two years later in South America? Is it not like a rule? I I think so. Um, like however... an unwritten rule probably. <laughs> yeah. I, you, I hope it's written somewhere. I don't know. Um, we, we did have a bit of a issue last at the last Pan Ams because it, it was supposed to be in North America. Um, yeah. And... I, I won't get into details because I don't actually know them, but um, <laughs> there was a lot of people frustrated because it was supposed to be hosted in, in Boston. 
um, and then um, our sort of the, I guess the Pan Am sort of committee yeah. ended up changing it to a, a South American location and um, and at a different time of year, which uh, prevented a lot of at least uh, people who from Canada were going to go. And um, yeah, so there's just I don't know if there what the rules are if there are rules if they are even upheld but um i think if there's a next pan ams or continental championships it should be in north america and we're actually hoping for in canada so <laughs> we'll see happy would, to go to the u.s too. yeah wouldn't wouldn't it be this season it should be yeah it should be yeah it should be but we yeah we have no idea even what the fall will look like yeah. um we have uh we have booked some pool time uh in november uh sort of to i guess host a tournament over a weekend yeah. um but uh, i we have no idea if that would even be the spot that they would allow that to happen yeah. so it would be the first tournament sort of in canada for a long time and i, I yeah that would really lead me to the next um topic it's the covid i mean The COVID. Um, COVID, Corona, or whatever, <laughs> like the pandemic. So what's COVID? Yeah. Um, how is it like? Yeah. So when you say you don't know if this will happen or if there is a tournament, so Canada um, is under hard restrictions right now with uh, sports in general or with canoe polo. Yeah, we we have um, again. It it varies per per province and okay. actually even. Um, even sometimes per city, um, oh, okay. but uh, but we we at the moment are in our third wave, so that essentially means that they have um, yeah shut down the recreational facilities for pools, and um, and then we're as far as outdoor recreation, that's pretty shut down as well. Um, you're um, not allowed to be sort of within three meters of other um, sort of like to run like a lesson or to run any sort of polo, you have to sort of keep your three meters distance. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so yeah, it's lots of limitations right now. Um, when it all came out last year, even our, our programming last year didn't run because the city didn't fill our ponds. Um, so they had left them dry. And so we didn't have a, a place to go practice in the city. Okay. And, um, and then they're also obviously, things have evolved with the concerns of there was much more concern about it being sort of uh, passed with contact um, sort of precautions. So people were, I think, uh, pretty fearful of doing any sort of contact sport. Um, so yeah, we didn't, we didn't play at all last summer and then we'll see, we'll see what happens this year. Um, but they've limited, they haven't allowed sort of any adult programming um, Uh, but I'm hoping as, uh, again, we come to the peak and hopefully get over this uh, sort of third wave that we will be able to do some, run some more outdoor stuff um, moving forward. But it's been, it's been very challenging. Um, we, we've kind of, as a club, been able to, in the fall, we sort of thought things were going to open up. We did initiate some lessons. We're able to do our first sort of polo uh, evening or drop-in session indoors. And then the ver that very night, they changed they did we went into a lockdown so um yeah we we haven't played played for quite some time and we'll see how it yeah. how it is fingers crossed uh, also for canada to to um, <laughs> to go through that um as good as possible and as fast so yeah. i mean polo is not the important part in that so we all know that but um it's also quite a thing to go back to normal to normal 
um, yes. after this. So it's like a little part in our well, probably a bigger part in our life to to go back to normal. So hopefully yeah. you can manage to do that. Um, when you say so, the your, the city of Edmonton has to fill up your pond. So mm -hmm. you are you don't have like a river or a natural lake. And then my question: You have a boathouse down there, or like the <laughs> yeah. Canadian clubs? Do they have boathouses? Uh, bo boat houses? Clubhouses? Yeah, we um, we are unique also in Edmonton because um, we have we do have a clubhouse that's riverside, um, but the river we don't use it for polo at all because it's uh, moving water. So you okay. <laughs> we'd probably lose a, we'd lose a lot of balls. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, <laughs> so that we use that facility more for um, yeah, just sort of paddling training and fitness and um, some of the running of just intro kayaking. Um, yeah. groups have gone down there to have like a first river exposure um, and unfortunately our clubhouse doesn't get a lot of a lot of use um, I probably about six years ago now I, I did help develop I got sort of um, a funding and equipment to put sort of a strength training um, room down there so um, we got a bunch of equipment um, but it wasn't heavily used by our our club to be honest and unfortunately we've suffered from some people stealing the equipment so we've um, sort of lost multiple sets of dumbbells and um, our uh, yeah flat plates for the bench and <laughs> have just kind of gone missing <laughs> over the years so that's too bad um, but yeah so we do have that clubhouse but it's not a polo clubhouse um, okay. like you you guys might be familiar with um, so at Rundle Park though is a uh, It's a man-made facility um, that's really only our, uh, there are some lakes around uh, around the city, but um, none that has the sort of infrastructure to sort of ha uh, store some uh, kayaking equipment and gear. Um, so Rundle Park has these ponds that the city fills with uh, city water. Yeah. So they um, sort off pretty clean. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, we set up nets that get to sit out there permanently. And then we have a, a sea can storage facility where we just people are allowed to keep their boats but okay. um yeah. it is not at all luxurious there is no there's no showers there's no toilets there's no like uh there's there's nothing there so you kind of <laughs> you kind of come and get your paddle in and then you kind of for any comfort or facilities you're going home <laughs> okay but at least you have like you have a storage where you can uh, storage your material and uh, don't yeah. have to bring it every single time when you go to practice so it's you got it yeah okay it's, yeah i mean at least so we learned that from gb that there's um so also uh, like jack told us just containers to store the the boats um but yeah. they have showers so <laughs> yeah <laughs> at least showers. yeah um okay um yeah thank you for for uh, that uh, inside view of like canadian polo um your <laughs> yes, polo you're and now because i mean we have to go with the traditions uh we have our big five category big five, big five category yeah and uh we both talked about this before and uh we said we want to say the big five of the coolest competitions we competed in okay yeah so coolest yeah. nicest or the most meaningful competitions for you so whatever um i mean cool is a word me and my age i used to use it but probably the younger people don't use it anymore but yeah, yeah. so um you want to start 
because I sure. don't know right now. I have to make my mind. <laughs> okay, well, I will start and I will preface it by saying, because I've been playing <laughs> since 1996, this is a very hard list to make. And I'm, I, I think there's obviously been so many um, events and tournaments and just polo experiences that are just so fun. So there's going to be some that are not mentioned, but are for sure probably would be on the list if someone reminded me. Um, and I will and um, say the same, but I can't <laughs> explain it that good as Stein can do that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I am actually going to start with um, now this this to me was uh the 2002 World Championships, which were in Essen, Germany. And um, I think why this was such a neat uh, uh, tournament was it was held in, in pools. So it wasn't, I think, initially some of the World Championships seemed to be more in, in aquatic centers and, and now have shifted to being obviously these huge events in sort of outdoor um, facilities, but yeah. uh, Essen, Germany was in this. I don't know the name of the aquatic facility, but it was the Grugerbad. Um, the Grugerbad in Essen. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't have said that right, anyway. Um, so, but it was such a cool outdoor pool that had, um, and to me, we we had played in in the in basically one pool prior to that. So when we went to Adelaide, it was an indoor pool. Yeah. When we went to, um, I didn't get to go to Portugal, but when when we went to Brazil, it was sort of, again, beautiful facility, but just sort of one outdoor pool. So then going to Essen was like, oh my God, there's multiple pitches and it's outdoor. It was just, it was very neat and it was cool yeah. to participate in. So that was number one. Number five. Or, or five, sorry, number five. Sorry, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so then I will go um, with my number five. This is probably a surprise on the list. Um, for me, it's a Prague tournament, Prague International Tournament. I really like mm. like this competition um, because I always played in like so many uh, tournaments where everything is like strict and uh, and uh, like everybody has to be on time. I mean, I'm from Germany, yeah, so <laughs> everything is so organized. This and Prague is like really relaxed and just sitting in the sun next to the pitch. Sometimes you don't know when your next game is because uh, the schedule is not ready yet, and then you get surprised that you have to play two games at the same time. Uh, so, but it's it's so relaxed, and in the, in the nighttime they have like a um, live music and they make a barbecue, and so um, yeah. So I so I really uh, like this is more the not the, like the the hard competition part. It's more like the relaxed. Um, yeah. Just uh, a fun experience. Fun experience, and uh, I still everybody who plays there who wants to win. But for me, it's like really a relaxed, nice family tournament. And uh, yeah, the hosts of the Prague um, tournaments making a great job. Yeah, and yeah. I'm looking forward to go back in September, hopefully. Oh, I have to. I'm gonna have. To, I'm gonna actually write notes on yours because I want to attend these events. Because we, I we did. I got to go to Prague for the World Games. Uh, like prior to it, we did a bit of traveling there, and um, oh boy, is that city amazing! So I'm gonna write that down. Okay, do I give you number? So your number four is now my number four. Okay. Oh dear. Um, I'm gonna go with a a tournament that I think only ran one time in its existence, um, and it was a tournament that was held 
in a place called Cultus Lake. It's in British Columbia and um, it's near a city called Chilliwack. And we, as our uh, club here, we, we ended up having people interested in going and we drove down. It's probably about a, oh, I would say like 10 or 11 hour drive. We drove down kind of the Friday after work, yeah. um, drove all the way <laughs> the 11 hours overnight. Um, basically, by the time we got there, pulled out was like the games were needing were starting. We just <laughs> played played a bunch of full day of games, um, and uh, and then it was just a one day thing, and then drove home that next night. <laughs> and it, it just ended. It sounds actually torturous now that I um, yes it did say that out loud, but it ended up being just the funnest uh, funnest road trip and um, beautiful. Uh, beautiful British Columbia Lake um, where just nets were set up and we just played and this was probably at, at least I don't know could, probably 20 years ago um, and was just so fun and so that I think will always go down to me as um, yeah you don't obviously don't need a huge setup and a big rigmarole and to do um, especially if you're a polo lover you just kind of yeah need a bunch of people who are keen to go play and that's what it was it was just it was so fun sounds sounds pretty good sounds pretty good um so then my number four i can say i didn't compete as a player in there i competed there as a coach with the pan american games 2017 in uh, buenos aires in argentina um i i love that that was really um i i traveled there like some days before to to visit buenos aires i've never been there and uh, and then I, w I got welcome from the Argentinian players and coaches and I was sitting there alone and uh, but everybody was so welcoming and then uh, they asked for my opinion <laughs> okay what can we do better we want to make a run a really really good competition and and then <laughs> I helped like building the the walkway for the referees and stuff and and yeah and also I I'm, I was like kind of a head referee I was kind of a head uh, um, scrutineer and also a coach so I was like that was the all around but it was also like like they, they were really passionate and they they the Argentines really wanted to make a, a really great competitions and they do right they do had a really great competition like the pitches were perfect set uh set up the players like cleaned the pool before that they have good pictures so before it was oh, like wow. a um, like a brown water and then they let the water out and yeah. all the players like go with like brush and and and, uh, and clean <laughs> the whole pool like, it was a big one where wow. like there could be fit like six pitches could fit in that pool so it was a really big one and they cleaned Amazing. it completely just to have like a good looking pictures and a great tournament and and yeah and it was free food like free uh, good food uh, free fruits massages so it's <laughs> really like it was really really <laughs> nice and uh, all the teams uh, went into one bus and drove to the sleeping place and like it was that was really a uh, polo family um yeah so i go with the pan american games 2017 oh that sounds fun it, it sounds was. like you were the bit you were the big cheese there as well <laughs> <laughs> it was really really fun i can just uh like a big compliment to the argentinians yeah, yeah very good sad i missed it so then, uh, yeah, Stein, what is your number three? Number three. Oh, it's, it's getting hard. I know. Um, I know. I will say, um, 
I will give a shout out. I have been able to go a few times now to the tournament that's held. I, I don't, uh, they probably have a number of tournaments, but the events we've been able to go to in Assigné, France. I'm not saying that right. Okay, Assigné. Assigné. Yeah. Um, and we, we've just, lo- like the, the last time that we were able to go there, I guess, was before the 2016 Worlds. And um, the, the club club just sort of hosted us. Actually, every time we've gone there, we've been able to stay in, stay in the sort of uh, fields around the clubhouse. And it, it's just always been um, quite a neat experience. And I think our first time being there, I was so taken aback by this just neat uh layout of the tournament setup just this meandering sort of pitches throughout the uh, canal there and sort of deep into the trees and it was just quite unique from uh some of the the places i played before so it it to me comes out as a, a favorite one and um i think our our one of our first times there we were able to the women's team was able to make the finals um and we played against the australian women and this was enough this is a long time ago um but it, it was just so fun we was like we were in an international tournament and we made a finals and and then it was at this what i thought was such a picturesque beautiful place so yeah a senior i'll say that it's, one it's interesting i've never been there so uh, probably i will Try to give it a shot. Um, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. Um, for me, my number three. Now I have a three on my list, but I have to rank them. Um, then for me, uh, it will be the Essen World Championship 2002. So the same tournament you have on number five. For me, it's number three, because I was uh, I was playing with the under 21 national team as a captain. And I remember just like my family was there and so many friends and like for the final games, like the stands were full. And then mm. when you from the warm up pitch, there was like a, um, a stairs you have to go up. And uh, I was like, as a captain, I, I went as first. And in the moment I, I walked up the stairs and the people saw me were like, <laughs> so I, I, I remember Doesn't that, that like happen this. all the time? <laughs> no, I remember it's like, like this. I, and I'm sure it was for the whole team, but it was like a real like goosebumps on my uh, on my uh, on my body. And yeah, and I was able to win. So this is um, for sure like a great memory in uh, my my career. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty neat. So Stein, Boy. I'm sorry. I always say Stein um, just to explain that's her <laughs> nickname and I call her like this. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is a long, long-term nickname. We're not really sure where it came from, but it's stuck. So we're going yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. This is tough. Um, I did write. I have like I wrote down like a bunch of different things, and now I didn't really rank them. So let me see here. Just I'm gonna two more. go. Just two more. I'm gonna say. I want to give a shout out because I've been to some just super fun, awesome tournaments in the U.S. and uh, they really all should be listed. But I mean, the one that I've been to a couple different times because it's been so fun is in Austin, Texas. And they've um, actually, I think some most of them have actually been U.S. nationals down there, but they run 
their event on this outdoor facility um, that is uh, right next to a, it's like a, a huge uh, restaurant that has a patio that overlooks the, the pitch. Yeah. And then um, it also has, um, it's not, mo- it, the, it's almost like a river, but the section that they're on is sort of like this big non-moving portion. Yeah. But you can also, there's like some surfing waves that are kind of right in that same facility. Um, so not only is it just a picturesque thing, it's sort of well supported with sort of, I guess, food and you're able to kind of sit and have a beer and watch the game sort of basically over top of the game. And, um, and yeah, it's always been, um, such a sort of fun, um, tournament to participate in when we've gone down there. So I'll give a shout out to, to Austin, Texas. I'm sure you, um, had some of the great, well-known world famous barbecue (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> big fan of barbecue <laughs> yeah. um, so then I will go I yeah I have to ring two then I will go with the Thury Arcour 2014 World Championship uh, I also only com- only competed as a coach of my under 21 um, national team and I was uh, it's close to uh, Syracuse in 2016 so both are pretty good because I had Great teams and uh, but I really uh, enjoyed in theory there was like like when the final games or like the there was like fifteen thousand spectators yeah. and uh, like in the small on the small lake and from all sides people could watch and uh, and scream and yell and it was so loud and like such a great um, yeah like atmosphere around mm-hmm. this tournament and all the kids coming over to my players and ask for 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 <laughs> autographs and and so that was like you you felt unique and also like the walk in from from the from the um um city square through the through the small town and like the yeah. people waving from their balconies and stuff yeah. so that was like that was really special for me and uh we didn't uh, win win it but um <laughs> i have to say to hear the national anthem from france in france when like about fifteen thousand people in the stands um singing shouting it and you staying yeah. in front of them that was quite um <laughs> crazy of moment yeah so i yeah, would go with that that's a good one i that's actually on my list as well and i I have. I also struggle between those two world championships, but I echo your sentiments there because it was overwhelming. The sort of fan interest and the noise and the stands, and then um, the parade with all those different kayak displays of polo yeah. players hanging out of windows. It was <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah. But yeah, we also didn't win that year either. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Moving on, I guess, to number, my number, number one, one yeah. um, is, uh, and you already said it, actually, was uh, to me the sort of Sicily 2016 Worlds. And um, yeah, there, there was so much about this that made it just such a neat competition to participate in. It was, I, to me, one of the most beautiful, picturesque uh, pitches that I've ever seen. Um, and just yeah right in kind of the middle <laughs> middle of a, a city uh, with the backdrops of these like just gorgeous uh buildings um and and the the sort of parade of athletes there stands out to me as well of we just had this beautiful 
um, blue sky, uh, sunny evening, um, and just walking down the streets where, yeah, you, you really just felt like a, a celebrity with the people sort of <laughs> cheering you on and um, supporting you and uh, sort of wanting to, again, in the context now of COVID of like wanting to shake your hand and give you a high five and it, uh, give you a hug even as you walked uh, walk down is just, it seems like an alternate alternate universe to be honest um, now. And, and then of course we, we did uh, uh, surpass maybe what we had expected from um, sort of final position of performance. So it was just, it was a yeah beautiful tournament to participate in. And then also just the experience um, that we, we had where we were able to, I guess, qualify was very cool. Yeah, I, I can totally see that it was like honor honorable mentions on my list for sure yeah <laughs> um that, that was a great great competition yeah um i would go with my number one is yeah um the german championship in 2009 um that was my first senior men title uh, where we uh, which we won and uh, also my club like in germany we have like five categories for um, like under 14, under 16, under 20, under 18 in this years, and then men and women. And uh, yeah, so my club was able uh, was able to win four of these five categories. So um, that was like the whole, the whole um, team, the whole club uh, was thrilled. And uh, yeah, for me, for sure, I, I mean, I fought and I, I played so long in the league and uh, I was finally able to to win the title in the championship so this wow. is for me for sure um my one of the biggest moments and uh, that's why it's one of the um yeah so my number one in the championships i competed <laughs> in yeah awesome that was great so um stein um i think we can call it a night so for me and uh call it a hopefully good day for you i can tell yeah good afternoon i can uh, tell you we we set a new record yeah it didn't feel like it but uh we are now um the longest episode right now oh wow yeah it didn't feel like it as i said yeah so no it didn't yeah um yeah thank you for joining me in the podcast um my my absolute pleasure, Holger. It's been fun, and I I genuinely feel like I could talk to you for another couple hours. There's just like <laughs> I will definitely love talking polo. So yeah, that's the same for me. That's why I'm doing this. It's just to fulfill my addiction of Carno polo in these times. <laughs> and but I know that you have uh, some other people waiting for you. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Fair yes. enough. And uh, and yeah, my bet is calling. So um, yeah. Um, thank you again. Yeah. I'm sorry I can't tell you who is in the next episode because I didn't figure it out. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure it will be a really interesting person. So, yes. yeah. Um, tune we can't in. wait. Tune, yeah, thank you. Uh, tune in the next time. And then, yeah. Goodbye. Good Stein. Bye. Thanks. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. And thanks for listening. And thanks, Holger. This is a great program for your developing. Thank you. With these words... We are out. <laughs> <laughs>